But you know, last week we talked about the gift of inconvenience and, and, and how important it is for us as believers to cross that line and to walk in that gift, to not be inconvenienced. Because if you'll be inconvenienced in one thing, the enemy will slowly but surely push you back into a corner where you'll be inconvenienced by everything. And we've shared that about that line. We've taught about that line that keeps us from going into all that God has for us. But it wasn't until I began to read that book, began to think about it, and that, that, that gift of inconvenience came to me. And that's exactly what it is in our lives. I want to serve God. I want to follow God. I want to do all that he wants me to do, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week, and not just you know at work, but at home, not just with my friends, but with people I don't know, at the store, the grocery, wherever you are. I, I want to do that. So I have to get past the fact that it might be inconvenient. And we went through a few things. We've talked about a few scriptures. Some of them are on your list. Some of them have been on your list for about two or three weeks. We said that half of adults, nearly half of all adults, are still trying to find or seeking to understand the purpose or the cause for their life. Now, I don't believe that's us in this church. I believe many of us are following that cause, following that plan, following that purpose, that, that three out of four people want to make a difference in the world today. We have a whole generation of young people in this, in this earth who want to make a difference. They're just not sure how they're supposed to do that and, and what difference they're supposed to make. They'll do everything at school to save the seals. They'll do everything. I mean, they'll do anything to help somebody. They just don't realize that, that what they need to do is to help people. You know, they don't realize that ultimately that's the cause. And yes, I want to save the seals and I want to see the elephants progress and I want to see all those things happen and I don't want to see bad trees, you know, or good trees go to waste. And I mean, all of those things... They're all good things, but don't get lost in those things. The God things are people, and we have to understand that in our lives. And, and sometimes it can be inconvenient to, re to reach people, but we have to then walk in that gift of inconvenience. It says in Matthew, and I do want to read this scripture today. It's, it's chapter 16. It's been on your notes. I think this might be the third week in a row, and I don't think I've read it yet. But I, this is probably a good time to open that up. But it's, and, and this is important because this is really truly the basis of this whole, this whole thought and this whole premise of, of, of the passion. I mean, this is what Jesus did. And as we move through this, this season, you know, as we focus on, on Palm Sunday and Easter and we've moved through Lent and those things, you know, we, we, we talk about what Jesus did. He put himself up on that cross. Now, this was, this, was, this was in motion from the time Adam and Eve sinned. And we're put out of the garden. From that time, this plan was put in motion for you and your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you that he, he knew way before you were ever even a gleam in mom or your daddy's eye. I mean, so, so he has put a plan in motion in your life too. But just like Jesus had to fulfill that call by doing this, we also need to fulfill the call in our life by doing this as well. And it says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? See, what profit, uh, what, what profit is it for a man if, if, if he gains the whole... I mean, if you have everything, finances and all of the stuff and all of the, the goods and the things that come in this life with what we would, we would say is success in the world. I mean, if you had all of those things, but then your life is miserable... I'm not saying you're going to lose your, but your life is miserable. On the inside, you haven't attained any of the things that maybe God created you to do. Maybe, maybe you're still seeking after all of these things and all of this stuff, and you feel like you've made it to a certain point in your life. What good is that to you if, you've, if you haven't turned your life over and followed him with all of your heart? 
We said last week, why not go nonprofit in your life? And please hear me. I mean, I'm not saying don't save. I'm not saying put money away for a rainy day. I'm not saying do all those kind of things. I'm just saying is your focus toward putting money and investing yourself and investing your talents and investing your gifts in your eternal life in heaven in the people who are here on this earth? Or is, is, is your desire and is your focus putting all of those things into maybe your retirement here on this earth? Because the retirement here on this earth isn't going to last very long. But your retirement with Jesus, your eternal life with him, will last forever. And so we have to make that decision. And if you're going to be that kind of person, you can't just talk about it. You have to do something about it. You have to be a person, really, uh, of action. You, can't, you have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And in the Message Bible, it says in James 1.22, do not fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. It says, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. You may just be a hearer, but are you listening to what God is saying? Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later, they have no idea who they are. How many times have you sat with somebody maybe and shared something with them and they've come to you and they've said, my life is a mess and things aren't going well. You were just with them on Sunday service or you were just with them in a, in a, in a Bible study or a care. Maybe you saw them on Wednesday night or maybe it was mentoring. And you know the word that went forth touched them in their life. Maybe there's somebody that you're close to, but, but you saw what happened and there was no action. There was nothing that happened after that moment, after that time. They didn't put any action with their faith. That's James. As we go on, we'll read that one too in chapter 2. See, they didn't, there was no works to go with what they said. See, they said, this is my faith, this is what I believe. You know they were touched and you know they were changed. But then they went out that door and they came to you the next day and they said, ah, this is all going on in my life. And you say, but hold on a minute. Yes, yesterday, didn't, didn't we just pray? Yesterday, didn't you just see God do Yesterday, didn't you say this had made a difference? But see, they'd gone away and they'd forgotten the things that they were taught. They forgot the things that God had spoke to them, forgot the things that God had did. If you don't have actions, if you don't have works, then what is faith? You can't split the two apart. You don't have works to get faith, but if you have faith, there will be works because works follow the faith. And it says in James chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Do I hear you professing again in the message, professing to believe in one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had something extra, unless you, <laughs> sorry. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you have done something wonderful just because you've heard? That's just great. Demons do that, it says. You know, it's like that scripture that says, do you love the unlovely as, as well as the lovely? Because everybody can love the lovely. See, everybody can love the good. Everybody can love the great times. Everybody can be like Jesus when it's all going well in your life. When all of your ships are coming in, when all of those things are happening, when everything is running full steam and everything's working well, we're all happy and good to be around. See, but it's in those places and in those times and in those moments where those things aren't happening in the natural. Do you still believe and do you still walk and do you still stand and do you still talk like all that's still going on? Because by faith, see, it is. And then all of your works line up with that faith and those things happen in your life. It says, that's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Nothing. Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two? See, Jesus came on this earth, not just to come and die. I mean, he came on this earth to portray and, and to fulfill the call that God had for him, but to be an example to us in the way that we're supposed to live our lives. And that he didn't just say something and do something differently. He said something and then backed it up with his works and his walk. 
His works and his walk and his talk always backed up the things that he was called to do. Always. They backed up his faith. And in our life, do those things happen? Now, we're not going to talk about the gift of inconvenience and going past that line because we talked about that last week. But then, okay, so now I want to go past that line. What do I do? You know, I, I, I don't want that to be a hindrance in my life, and I want to go after what God has. Then we need to live intentionally. Like every day we get out of bed, we got to be jumping up and down saying, okay, God, man, I can't wait to get out the front door. I mean, I may just run out my, in my pajamas, you know, and, and get the, get the, the, the mailman or, or get the, the garbage guy or, or get the bus driver as he goes by. Man, I, I mean, I just can't wait to get out there and do what you have for me to do. I can't wait to get to school because I know you've got people lined up, whether it's little guys or whether it's teachers or whether it's parents. I, I mean, I can't wait to get there because I know you got something for me to do. You got somebody for me. I mean, we got teachers all over this church. See, they're in schools all over the place in Benton County and here in Tiffany County. And, I mean, that, that's, a great, that's a great calling. That's a great profession. Those are people who have, who have young people who just flock to them, who have parents attached to them and who have teachers who are there. I mean, you have an opportunity in your job to make a difference. I don't know where you work. I don't know what you do. But you are called to do something for Christ in the place where you work. So each morning, do you wake up going, yes, I get to go to work. Thank you, Corey. That's good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> he does too, man. He's here all the time. That's, you know. But, or, do you, or do you get up and say, I have to go to work? You know, like last week we said, you get to go to church. Don't say you have to go. You get to go to church. See, you get to go to work. You get to go to the grocery. You, you get, see, all the things that you do, you get to, God's given them. You get to do them. You get to take your kids to ballet and to soccer and all of those things. Be a light in the ballet and the soccer and all those places. See, it says Jesus came to love. It says God, in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever shall believe in him shall... But see, God so loved the world. He loves people. That's what, that's what he was about. He's about love. In Mark, in chapter 12, verse 29, not only does he love us, but, but he commands us to love as well. So every morning you wake up, are you full of love? <laughs> Apparently not, because there's some giggling going on. Or maybe somebody that lives with you is not. But I mean, like when you get up in the morning, are not just love for the person next to you, not just love for those in your house, but are you, are you excited? Are you loving the people on your commute in the morning? Are you loving the people who you come in contact with as you get your morning cup of coffee? Or as you, as you get to work and you get to that place and you see that same person that just, you know, in the flesh just drives you bananas? And here they come. But not today. See, not after this. We're going to wake up intentionally to love that person. It says in the word that even though they might spitefully use me, my job is, see, if I'm going to get past this line of inconvenience, if I'm going to live intentionally, if I'm going to live this passion and this cause that God's put in my heart, my job is to love them and to pray for them and to care for them and to take care of them. Goody. Because that's not what my flesh always wants to do. But you're not a flesh person. You're a spirit person. You're a spirit man. And it says in, in Matthew chapter 12, 29 through 31, it says, love your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, of your mind, all your strength. And then what? Oh, so we, oh, I can do that. Well, sure, he's God. But then what does he say after that? Then love your neighbor as yourself. Each morning you should be excited to get up out of bed and say, I get to love people today. Woo. I'm nothing but a bundle of love when I come in and see you in the morning, aren't I? Huh? All the time. Just nothing but hugs and high fives and pound it. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we do. That's all. You know, we just walk around here. Just... We all got stuff. We all got things. Stuff happens all the time. 
We face people who are a challenge. We face, see, because what did we say before? It's easy to love the lovely. It's easy to care about the people who are wonderful. It's easy to care about and love the people who are supporting you and encouraging you. But what about the person that's criticizing you and tearing you down? We don't forget that one. That's actually right what Jesus says, the lost sheep. It says he may have a hundred, but the 99 are with him, but one goes astray. And what does Jesus say? It says the shepherd, the shepherd goes after the one who's gone astray. And you're thinking, I didn't like that one. Let him go anyway. <laughs> but to Jesus, that one, see, every single one of us is important. Every single person that you come in contact with during the day is important. I'm both encouraged and convicted any time I'm with Pastor Bill because there's love and there's joy and there's a smile that goes out of his face for every person that he comes in contact with. Either he's feeling great or he's not feeling great or he's having a good day or having a tough day. I mean, it does not matter. He still smiles, still shares the love of God everywhere that he goes. And every person that he comes in contact with could be an opportunity for some divine encounter for God to do something in their life. Not what I'm going to get from them, but what I'm going to pour into them. That's living in this world intentionally to do what God called you to do. Because the second thing Jesus came to, I mean, he came to love, he came because he loved us, but he came to serve. I mean, that was his whole deal. And I think in our life, many times we get that a little bit messed up. And I might serve the person who's over me i might serve the pastor i might serve my my boss or i might you know i do those things sometimes it's grudgingly <laughs> can't do that either but we serve up fairly easy but do we serve down see we need to in the body of christ learn to serve down even more so than we serve up so we need to serve down the line and we have this idea and this thing especially men in our households if you if you want to be blessed in your house serve your family Lay your life down totally for those who are in your household. Serve them. Well, they're not doing anything right. Well, we weren't doing anything right either, but Jesus came to serve us. Now you say, in that case, then that I'm better than Jesus. Whoa. Well, no, I didn't say that, but that's what your, that's what your actions are saying. That's what your, that's what your words are saying. We need to learn to serve down. It says if anybody wants to, to gain in this life, they need to give their life. If anybody wants to be great in this world, they need to serve those that's what it says. You can read, right? Matthew chapter 20. See, I'm, I'm following the line. Isn't that good? Matthew chapter 20 says, Yet it all shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your what? Servant. See, we have this idea that to be great, then we must have a lot of people serving us. Now, uh, it says in the word of God that if we're going to be great in the kingdom of God, if we're going to be great in what he's called us to do, if we're going to be great in this earth, then we need to be a servant. Living intentionally to love people and to serve them. Whew. I mean, you go around, you know those people, you know those folks. It goes and says, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. And to give his life for ransom for many. Serve down as much as you serve up. Now here's the idea. We're going to wake with intention in the morning. Now, this gets personal, so this is going to be up to you and your life and what goes on. This is going to be between you and God and what he has for you to do. But I would ask you this, and, and I, it, it's a big thing in the world, and it has been for years, and people talk about it, and they bicker about it, and they sit down, and they have committees to figure out mission statements and all those kind of things. What is your personal mission statement? I mean, do you have something that God has spoke? What is your personal mission? I mean, in this church, we talk about sharing the love and acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus with everyone that we meet. Helping people know God and to love him more. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're about in this church. What is your personal mission? Jesus had a personal mission statement. I mean, look in Luke chapter 4. Now, this is a prophecy that was spoken, right, in the Old Testament, but it was about Jesus and his life in this earth and about who he was to be. And it says, the Spirit, this is Jesus speaking, it's in red. So he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When you look in, in the Message Bible, verse 19 says, to announce that this is God's year to act. The acceptable year of the Lord, in, in the Message Bible, that verse in chapter 19 says, this is God's year to act. Now, see, I'm sure with G, everything, when you have a mission statement, when you, when you have a direction, when you have a place, then everything that you do lines up with that or it doesn't. And so if you're trying to provide a, 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 a place of safe whatever, I don't even remember what Harrison's is anymore. I mean, I used to know what that mission statement was, something along. I mean, it's about a safe place for education, all these things. So everything that you do either lines up with that or not. What does that do? It provides direction for you in your life. See, Jesus lived with intention. He lived with purpose all the way to the end. I mean, he wasn't stopping. Matthew chapter 9. See, this was, that was his mission statement. That's what he was called to do. That's what God put in his heart. to. What has God called you to? What has he put in your heart to do? Do you have those things written down in your life? Do you have that kind of mission statement? Because see, it says in verse 35 of chapter 9, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. These things line up with what he just said. So he's doing the things that he feels like God... See, he had a mission statement. He has a direction. He has a purpose. He has an intent so that when he gets up, he's deliberately and intentionally living his life to fulfill the, pur the purpose, the mission, the call, the vision, the dream, whatever you want to say that that is. Because here it says that when Jesus went about all of their cities and villages, teaching in their center, this wasn't one day that he did it. This is his life that he did it. See, one day we hit the mark, but six days we didn't. What we need to do is then the next week make two days we do. Make three days we do. Make it every day that we do. Intentionally, see, living intentionally in this world. Every day, do you have a mission statement? See, it says that he went around teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. As said in his mission statement, that's what he did. Came to heal those who were sick, bind up the brokenhearted, set free those who were captive. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved by what? Compassion for them because they were weary, scattered like a sheep, having no shepherd. And that's when he told the disciples, pray for the laborers. The harvest is truly plentiful, it says, but pray for the laborers because they are few. See, but he had a statement, he had a mission, he had a vision, he had a dream, he had a direction. And the things that he did lined up with that. Do you embrace his plan? Do you embrace his purpose? Do you embrace his cause for your life? See, it doesn't take a person with, with his extremely unusual ability and, and talents to change the world. All it takes is a person who, who has a heart, really, truly, that cares. I mean, Jesus had a heart. That, now, he, he, I, he was... See, he, he, he was the son of God. He, he was, if you want to say, like different than us, maybe special, okay, because he was the son of God. But he came into this earth the same way that you and I did. He was born into this earth as a man. Now, he had the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life. And up until the time when he died, none of them did. But when he died, then all of us can. 
Now, he was the son of God, yes, but it also says in the word of God that you are adopted into his house as sons and daughters. It says you are heirs to the kingdom and to all the promises that he has, just like Jesus was. So we walk no differently in this life or should walk no differently in this life than Jesus did. We have all of the same tools. We have all the same gifts and abilities that are given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that he did. See, it just takes a heart that cares. It takes a mind that's determined. It takes a spirit that's willing. It takes a cause that matters, and it takes people to help. And there are plenty of people to help. Plenty of people in your life to help. We don't all have to, like, all gang up on somebody. It's not like we got one hurting person out there. We're all searching, trying to find out who that is. That one last person so that we can reach them so that they can be saved so that Jesus can come again. There's an entire world full of hurting people who need what you have. Are we living intentionally to do that? What are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your visions? What is your mission statement? Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision. He says, write those things down. Why? Because then you know what you're aimed at. You know where you're going. You know the direction. And I'm not talking about the next 40 years of your life. Ask God what the direction is this week. I learned this from Dan. I've taught it forever. Once you have goals, once you have dreams, visions, once you have those targets that are out there, then all of the decisions that you make in your life either line up with those things and take you closer to them or they take you farther away from them. Jesus had a mission statement that said, I am here on this earth too. And then he went about and all of his things that he did lined up with that. They did. And it wasn't just him saying it. It was something that was, you might say, well, I don't want to make something up. Well, that was, that, was, that was put in the Old Testament before Jesus came in the New Testament and said, I am the fulfillment of that word that was said about me back then. See, so you are now in this life today the fulfillment of what God said about you way back when. Now, will you line up with those things? Will you see those things? You are the determining factor in that, not him. If you follow him, if you live intentionally in your life, you will. Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else. He's tough to understand. He never really made sense, but he kind of did, you know. I mean, it just never really went right. But, I mean, if, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else. I look at it like this, and I've shared this a couple different times over the last couple of months, so I don't know where it was. I look at it as like people standing in a place. You ever been to a kid's birthday party and they have a pinata? And they take this poor kid and they strap a blindfold over his head, and they spin him around. Then they give him a stick. And now he's dizzy, he's blindfolded, he can't see where he's going, and they say, hit the pinata. And what do you do? You laugh at the kid when he smacks the car, when he smacks the desk, when he smacks some other kid. I mean, you, you laugh. The kid doesn't have a chance, doesn't have a prayer in the world to hit the pinata. Why? Because he can't see straight and he's dizzy. Yet we in our lives, if we don't seek first the kingdom of our God, if we don't seek first the kingdom of God, then, then we're just as blind and dizzy and swinging at the air. What is your target? If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a direction, I'm not saying what you're going to do the rest of your life, but hey, just ask God, what do we do? What do we say in the beginning of the year? What do we do today? And then write that down. See, then you know if you're, see, you are successful if you follow after the plan that God put in your heart. Not if you didn't get fired today. Not if you brought home a check today. Not if you didn't punch somebody in the head today. You're successful if you follow after the plan and you're obedient to the calling that God has for your life. Well, how do you know if you're successful then? You look at the thing that he told you and did you go toward that? See, I mean, this poor kid, man, he's swinging at everything. He doesn't know where he's going. If you don't have a direction or a vision, you'll be tossed to and fro from all those different places. 
But if you have a direction, if you have a vision, that's like, we ever seen it when everybody gets real tired of like the first 10 kids never hit the thing? So finally, what do they say? They just throw them a stick and say, have at it. Well, then when they can see the target, that poor pinata doesn't stand a chance. They beat it to smithereens. Why? Because there's candy in there. And there's something about a kid going after candy. See, there is candy at the end of your rainbow. See, if you go after the vision... See, there are goods in that pinata that encourage the young people to tear it to pieces and to go after it. And when you take the blindfold off and they can see it, they go after it, and then what do they do? They reap the harvest. See, in your life, there are things out there that are attached to you. There there are goods attached to you following the vision that God has for you in your life. But you have to get involved. You have to get busy. Whatever it is, you say, I don't know what it is. Then help somebody else. Many times in our life, my life, maybe in yours too, I'm sure that, I mean, I didn't know what to do, but I just decided I helped somebody else do it, and then God began to pour something out of my heart. If you're not sure what God has put in your heart to do, then help somebody else accomplish what God told them to do. If you'll help them accomplish those things, if you'll get busy doing something, God will begin to pour out those things that you're searching for and seeking for. He'll begin to give you direction. He'll begin to give you purpose in your life. If you go through that book, he has story after story after story of person, people who came, came to the Dream Center, Matthew Barnett in his book, Cause Within You had people just tons, even his wife. I mean, they, they, they didn't really quite know what their call was. Many of them were messed up. Many of them were just drug addicts and all beat up and prostitutes and just all these people who were the dregs of society and the natural who came to the Dream Center and got fixed and got healed and got saved and got set free, didn't have a clue or didn't have, a, didn't have any kind of purpose or plan or didn't even know a cause or a passion existed. But as they just got busy doing what God called them to do there in that little place, God began to put dreams, began to put desires, began to put vision. Then one person said, man, I'm going to be the person who goes out and helps the families who are being separated by CPS from their kids. I'm going to go out. The only reason some of these people are being separated is because they don't have the means. They don't have the funds. And this is in LA, man. This is in the, this is in the, this is in a tough section. They don't have the funds. They don't have the the way to, to, to keep the things in the house that they need to have so that their kids can stay with them. So CPS is separating them. One person said, I've got a real heart for that. I've got a passion for that. I want to be that person. So now he says they work with 150 to 200 families, and that's what this person does. They just go around from place to place with their team of people, and they just try to make sure that everything's taken care of. They try to teach. They try to train. Yeah, all that stuff, whatever. They just try to pour out enough goods in that household that can keep this family together because that's the way God intended. Where did that come from? They got hooked up in some other deal. See, they got hooked up helping somebody else. They got hooked up in some other thing. Maybe they were taking food in the Dream Center to poor areas of town. And then all of a sudden, in that, they met a person who was in this situation. And because of that, see, these circumstances and these opportunities and these divine encounters that God puts you in, those are ways that he speaks to you about your passion, about your dream, and about your vision. Those things that make your eyes well up with tears, I mean, those are the things that you go after. Joshua was Moses' assistant long before he was the great leader that took them into the promised land. See, I think sometimes we have this idea that this vision is so big, I'm going to wait for this vision to come to pass, so then I, then I can do it. Uh-uh, if you don't start today, if you don't live intentionally, and when you wake up tomorrow, you're not ever going to see that big thing. We've talked about that. If you don't walk day by day, you'll never, you'll never see that thing. You'll get there time-wise, because days progress. But we'll miss the thing that God had for us. Many times it's in helping somebody else that you see that God reveals your purpose. If you're waiting for the moment when everything is right before you act, you're never going to act. Because I found, and I'm sure you have too, that the moment's not always right. There's always a reason. You say, well, God hasn't told me everything. Well, maybe you can't handle everything yet. (laughs) 
See, it seems to me many times that God only, he only reveals just a little piece or just a little part or just a little smidgen, enough that I can handle, or we're usually on with God, aren't we, a need-to-know basis. Because if he told Mike that he was going to be going to the prison four times a week, all on his own, all on his own dime, sacrificing everything that he had to go do that, he would probably said, forget it, I'll find some other place to be involved. And I share a lot about Mike, Mike LaMotta, who's up at the prison right now. He's going up this morning. He came in, got Michelle here, did all of his stuff, said, you know, just pray for me. God's really, God's really blessing us, and he's doing some things in our life. I don't know. He's got tears in his eyes all the time. He's tough to talk to. But see, God just put him up there just one Sunday a month. Then it was two Sundays a month. Then it was, Mike, why don't you be the leader of what we do here in this church as we go up a couple Sundays a month? with Deb Dyward and, and Sherry's back there, some others, you know, I mean, as, as we kind of go up there, can you kind of take care of that? Thelma did it for years and took care of us, and Mike really felt to do that. We said, yeah, why don't you do that? Then two days became three days, became four days, but I think maybe even five days sometimes. I mean, that guy's up there all the time. 300 kids have been saved. Tons of them getting jobs when they come out. These are, these are teenagers whose lives have just been trashed. Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Some of them family, you got to have somebody say you're okay to walk out of the prison and say, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to sign for this kid. There are people who won't sign for some of those kids. So you know what Mike did? He signed for them. It all didn't go well. He got burned a couple times. But you know what he did? He forgave them. He moved on and kept praying for them and said, oh man, I'm just going to be what God wants me to be today. He keeps coming back and saying, I, I, I don't know, but I think this is God. And it's always the next thing. I said to him one day, if if God would have told you all this in the beginning, he said, no way. (laughs) No way. Why? Because that's too big a cost. But see, one step at a time. That's too much work. I can't do it, but one step at a time. I'm not educated, but one step at a time. See, now he's the assistant chaplain. Now he's praying about being the chap. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's just it's this thing after thing. If you'll just give up today, see, if you'll just live intentionally, deliberately, with a purpose today, see what God does tomorrow. Doesn't it say that in the Word? See, let go of those things that make you stop. People are going to criticize you. People are going to get in your face. People are going to bother you. People are going to be problems. Matthew Barnett knew that he was supposed to be a preacher. He knew that he was, you know, he was a young person and he'd worked really hard at his first message and he was so excited and God had trained him and he was young. I mean, he was still a teenager, but he, he knew that this is what God had for him to do and he was so excited. His dad gave him an opportunity to preach. He had a 45-minute message all preached up, ready to go, had worked on it, got so freaked out when he got up there, it was five minutes long. <laughs> he got upset. He felt bad about himself. He stepped out. It didn't go well. And then as he was walking out of the church, there were a couple people in the back. They were talking about him. They were other pastors saying that kid isn't ever going to make it. His granddaddy was a good preacher. His daddy was a good preacher. He's never going to make it. He cried and cried and cried. Then got home and talked to his grandma, cried some more. And she said, you're the greatest preacher ever. That message changed my life. That encouraged me, Matthew. And he said, thank God for lying grandmas. Because <laughs> they kept him going in the direction <laughs> I can <laughs> thank God for lying mamas and lying grandmamas, man, because they tell you stuff and you just you keep going even though you know it was a disaster. <laughs> he got a thing in the mail one day and this nice little letter thing, and he like he opened it up and he pulled it out and he said it was like it was like a document. He was thinking like they were making him king for the day or whatever. It was like really official and he thought it was the coolest thing ever, and he was pulling it out, being real careful. 
and it was all written real ornately and everything, and then he started reading it, and it said, to the world's worst preacher. This is your certificate that you're the... And this was years. I mean, this is when he was... This is like now, you know? And he said, he keeps that. Because those people who come and criticize you, if they're criticizing you about the things that you're doing for God and you're seeing fruit in your life, then that should, that should give you cause to continue to go that, that right direction. He said, I keep that around every now. I pull it out and I kind of giggle and laugh and put it to the side. People are going to criticize you. Don't take an offense. Walk in forgiveness. Always walk in forgiveness. There's a video that Corey won't let me play for you. It's about this preacher. I think he might be right. It's probably good. Sometimes I go over the edge. But there's this, there's this, <laughs> there's this preacher who says this, the, the F word in the church. You should be saying the F word in the church. And the F word is forgiveness. And that we should be walking and speaking and saying the F word. If somebody offends you, then you should forgive them and you should walk away. You should pray for them and take care of them. If somebody upsets you, then you should forgive them. There's too much unforgiveness in the church. When people criticize you, when people come against you, that's an opportunity for you to forgive them. That's an opportunity for you to share the F word. I forgive you, not the other one. But see, in the church, then offense comes. Somebody's told you that it can't go that way. Somebody told you that it's not right. See, some, see all these things begin to make you stop. You begin to get upset. Then you begin to get offended. Now I'm not living intentionally anymore. I'm not getting out of bed deliberately to go after that thing. I'm actually getting up deliberately to, to, to ignore that person or to do something to cause them harm or to walk away from them or to not touch their life or to say, you know what, I'll show you. I ain't doing that. And then off you go this way. And what happens, you begin to shut off all the goods that God has for you. All of his thing is clogged, his tunnel, that he's pouring out things into your life. He has a conduit set up to bless you. But if you stuff up unforgiveness, if you stuff up an offense, you begin to plug that thing up, then nothing that God has for you will get to you. There's no, absolutely no reason for a believer to walk in unforgiveness. We know the truth. Get past your flesh, get past yourself. I think we have to get, you know, we have to understand that. You have to. And go beyond. This is the last part, and then we'll finish and we'll pray. Life is very simple. If you'll pick up his load, not your load, it says his load is easy and his burden is light. It may be work. I mean, you may have to actually, you know, roll up the sleeves and get at it, but it'll be a great time. This is what I, what I, what I tell people. What, what, what turns your crank? What gets you going? What excites you? See, what, what, what gets you moving? What, what makes your heart beat? What makes all of, is, is it the prison ministry? I mean, is, is it mentoring? Is it, is it van ministry? I mean, what is it? There's got to be something out there. See, it's not about like, oh yeah, when I get to go play golf. Nope, it's not that. It's, see, God's passion, God's desire, God's cause for you is wrapped around somehow people. See, and what is it with helping people that gets you going? What is it about taking care of people that gets you, if, whatever that is, do it a lot. Life's simple. Whatever you're good at, whatever gets you going that way, whatever helps people, do that a lot. I used to tell my girls all the time, golf is simple. Quit making it so hard. What's your favorite club? My six iron. What one do you hit the best? My six. How far do you hit it? 110 yards. Great. Hit it three times. Hit it all the time. Hit it every time you get out there. Why? Because you're good at it. Well, I need to hit my driver because then, no, you're not good at that. I've seen you hit it. Don't do that. I don't want to go around and follow you around all day and say, slap your hand and say, stop doing that. You're not good at that. What do you do well? Do it a lot. See, whatever you do well, do that a lot. Well, that's not my job. Well, then do your job and then go do what you do well. Maybe God will make a way for you to do what you do well and get paid for it. I, I don't know. 
But I do know this. If you're really good at it and you do it really well and it helps people and it changes lives, you're doing what God asked you to do. I'm going out on a limb. See, I mean, is that the case? And here's the deal. You have to go into the miracle space. John chapter 5. It's the man who's by the pool, you know, of Bethesda. And it's verses 2 through 9. And, and here's the deal. I mean, this, this guy's been laying there forever. And there are people in the body of Christ who've been sitting around forever. And they're waiting for the waters to stir. They're waiting for the bubbles. They're waiting for all these things. Well, all he needed was for Jesus to come by and speak something to him. To tell him that he could do something that he didn't know he could do. See, I'm telling you today, you can do a lot of things that you don't think or don't know that you can do because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And as he leads you and guides you, as he speaks to you in your heart, just like he did this man right here, he said, do you want to walk? And the guy said, well, yes, I want to walk, but here's all the reasons why I can't. And Jesus said, those reasons don't matter. Get up, take your bed and go walk. Now I'm going out on a limb and I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, but that guy had been sitting there for a ton of years ton of years been sitting there and you can't tell me that somehow he couldn't have like rolled his way down there he couldn't have like used his heels and shimmied him he couldn't have pulled with his finger he couldn't he didn't even say he was trying to just get to the water he said there's nobody that'll put me in the water well there's nobody's gonna put you in the water here either i'm not gonna pick you up and carry you out there and dump you in the water but i will tell you that you can get up and you can walk Nobody can make you do those things. Nobody can tell you that you have to. Nobody, but you can live a miserable life if you don't. Wouldn't you much rather live a life that's intentional, that's deliberate? Well, I don't like my job. Well, then pray. Ask God to deliver you, to give you another one. And if he doesn't, then love the one you're in. Be thankful you got it. And ask God. You haven't moved me out of here yet. <laughs> That's my wife laughing. <laughs> she was stuck at, at Purdue University for a while in the basements. She tried every way to get out. And you can try everywhere you want to get out. But until you do what God asks you to do in that place, you're going to be there. So be happy. See, this man was in this place. And he wanted to walk. All it took was Jesus to come say, come on, buddy, you can do it. Grabbed him and said, come on, get up, get your bed, let's go. And what does say he did? He got up and went. Why? Because Jesus told him he could. If you're here today and you don't think you can do it, I'm telling you that you can. If God has called you to it, if he's put it in your heart, then you can do it. You might not be able to do it your way. You might not be able to do it in your time. It might be inconvenient. But I'll tell you that you can do it. There's nothing that can stop you. Nothing that can stop you. You're not too old, Stan. Man, you're right. You're like, you're like in the center of what he has for you. Keep going. Tomorrow may be the day. The next day, you just keep going. You, you change. You change that place. Up and down that, you pray up and down that highway. Every day. You pray for those cities as you go. You pray for the people who pass. You pray for the people who you're passing. You just keep, you keep, you keep reaching out and praying for all those people. You keep taking care of all the ones who come in your office that irritate the daylights out of you. You keep loving the unlovely. You keep taking care of those who God gives you to take care of. And you wait, you watch. You don't expect God's going to pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. He ain't too old. 
stand up, will you please? We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.